So our nation is struck again by terrible, terrible things this week. We think of 17 students at that Parkland High School in Florida that were murdered. And yet that's the 18th school shooting since January the 1st of this year. The next day I was listening to the Christian radio and there was a lady and a man that were co-hosting the program and the lady began to be in great despair about what had just happened the day before in Florida and she's expressing that and then the man expressed himself and said some words I can't get out of my mind. He said, I have faced my greatest fear when it comes to this and my greatest fear is numbness. That there have finally been enough of these that when I even hear the news, my reaction is just numbness. It doesn't hit me. And what a scary place for us to be when physical death makes us numb and we don't pay attention to it. And, and how even more tragic it is when, when spiritual death doesn't really strike us. When, when the things that would give us spiritual life no longer really mean much to us. That's why we're having this study today. And I want to talk to you today about the two most important spiritual disciplines, yet I'm afraid as I talk about this, you're going to be numb. Because you've heard this all of your life. The two most important spiritual disciplines are what? Bible reading and prayer. And really in that order. The primary spiritual discipline that blesses you is Bible reading because you need to hear from God even more than he needs to hear from you. And you remember this reveal study we've been talking about over the last few weeks of thousands of Christians and thousands of churches. They, they conclude with this quotation, the, the most meaningful catalyst for spiritual growth is this, reflection on Scripture. And so the challenge for you and I is to look at these two things that we've heard all of our life without just being numb. You've been told in venues like this all of your life, you need to read your Bible and pray. When you've been struggling spiritually and you went to someone spiritual for counsel, they probably asked you the question, okay, I know you're not doing good. Have you been reading your Bible and praying? And more than likely in a small group or a Bible class, when someone says, what do you need to work on to grow spiritually? We use the same words almost tritely. I need to read my Bible more and I need to pray. We, we've said it so often that it just doesn't even hit us and we become numb. It's like any of you ever lived by some train tracks? And, you know, when you first moved in the house, you could hear the train every night, and it woke you up. But give yourself a few months in that house, and you're, you're, you're numb to the noise. It could be a crazy freight train coming through, and you're going to sleep okay. Because you become numb to the noise. And I'm afraid that many of us as Christians have become numb to this idea of Bible reading and prayer. And, and one reason, let me, let's mark this, I think we become numb is because we have made it the goal. So it's, it's like this checkbox, okay? Have you read your Bible and prayed? Read your Bible, and if I can check those things off, I've been successful. My friends, the goal is not Bible reading and prayer. Never has been. The goal is for those things to change you. Let me sort of give you the process this morning we started talking about last Sunday morning. The process or spiritual disciplines are things that you do. Spiritual disciplines are not feelings. Joy is not a spiritual discipline. Uh, a spiritual discipline is an activity that you do. Now, the purpose is not to do it. You don't check the box off and say, whoops, read my Bible and prayed, 
amen, I'm successful. No, the purpose is that you do these things because that's where you encounter God so that you can be with God. He'll meet you there. And and then the long-term goal is not just that you do it and you spend time with God, but automatically, naturally, you are changed when you encounter God, and so you start becoming like Him. So understand this order. And while we talk about this morning, don't just neglect this because I'm not challenging you just to do these things to do these things. Do them to be with God so God can mold you. Here's the passage that says this better than any other passage I know in the Bible. In fact, it's my favorite scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. Now, in this passage, Paul's been comparing the old covenant with Moses and the new covenant with us. And and the picture of Moses is that Moses went up to get the Ten Commandments, and when he came off the mountain, mountain, after encountering God, he is glowing. And and God has to veil him. I used to think God had to veil him because he was too bright. That's not what the Scripture says. God had to veil him because the glow, the glory, faded. Now, Paul says that's the Old Covenant. In the New Covenant, we have access to God every day. And so we don't have to be veiled because now the glory does not fade. The glory increases. Listen to the passage. So all of us who have had that veil removed, and here's a key part, can see and reflect the the glory of the Lord. Now, some translations say behold. Some say reflect. The New Living Translation put the Greek word in the right way because it means both things. It means here's where I, I put myself in that position to encounter God. Through spiritual disciplines, I behold God. And then the most natural thing happens. When you focus on somebody or something, you automatically become like them, okay? So you behold, you look, and you reflect the glory of the Lord. And here's the good news. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. The image that we lost in the fall is now being restored in Jesus. The good news this morning is that you don't have to change yourself. We've all tried that, right? You don't have to go out here to this service and go, man, I'm just going to gut it out and try to be more like Jesus. It never works. But if you can train yourself to put yourself in the position to encounter Jesus, then he will change you. That's good news. And so this morning, as we look at this, I want to challenge you to not be numb. In fact, I think most of us have had two very numbing experiences in our life. Let me give you these. This is the key to our message today. Number one is we don't remember what we've read. We've all heard we need to read our Bible. We start reading our Bible. And, you know, I read it at 6 o'clock in the morning. And by 3 o'clock in the afternoon, I don't remember a word that was said. And so, like so many people said to me, buddy, I know I should be doing this, and I feel a tinge of guilt, but the honest truth is, I don't really get anything out of it. And so that has numbed us the Word of God, and then we've numbed, been numbed to prayer because so often what we end up doing is just praying the same prayer over and over again every day. It's the same old, same old, Lord, give me this, help me this, protect these people, and before long, Talking to God, honestly, becomes a bore because it's just repeat, repeat, repeat. And so I want to say to you that today before you leave here, I want to introduce you to the one key practice that will change both your Bible reading and your prayer time. We'll catch that at the end, but hang with me till then. Now, 
how do we get the feeling back? If you become numb, how do you get it back? And it might be a little painful. I mean, you know when you sit in an odd position and, and your leg gets numb? And, and, and then you, you, you got to get up, you know? And when you, you first get up, it's, it's painful because you, you got to move it and get it out of it. Now, guys, let's be honest. When we talk about spiritual disciplines, there is a little bit of pain there because i got to cut out something in my life or something I want more. So how do we get that feeling back, that feeling many of us had when we first came to know Jesus? You remember that? And you'd stay up all hours of the night just drinking in the Word of God. And all through the day, you know, you couldn't stop but talk to God because He had so been merciful to you. How do we get it back? First of all, we need an example of this. We need someone in our lives that, you know, you just, you're just around them, and, and they love the Word of God so much it rubs off on you. If you're in Landmark, Birmingham, listening to this video, it may be Tim Jenry who just cannot, who's got an insatiable appetite for the Word of God. For those of us here in Montgomery, it's, it's, it's the, the Sarah Meadows who, every time you run into her, she's telling you what she's studying. She's sharing with me some Hebrew word I've never heard of and never understood. Or, or, or you're with Josh Fullman as he, he teaches a Bible class. It just flows out. And, and I'm around those people. I think, my goodness, I need that. And this morning, I want to invite you to, to join me with someone who loved the Word of God so fervently. I want you to go to the 119th chapter of Psalms. We don't really know who the writer of this is, but we do know this, and you know this. This is the longest chapter in all the Bible. And what, what, what happens here is this man is so touched and passionate about interacting with God's statues and commands and rules and that, that he just cuts loose on this chapter, praising God for his word and what it does for him. It's a long, long chapter. Now, here's the interesting thing about it. This chapter is actually in acrostic form, which confirms to me that one of the most biblical ways to preach is to use acrostics. Amen? Hey, you guys ought to go with me there. It's, it, it's just, actually, what he does is he takes the 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet, and he goes, what we would say, from A to Z. So each section is one of those. Now, what's he trying to say? Here, here's what I think he's trying to say. He's trying to say, God's Word will meet every need in your life from A to Z. It's that powerful. Now, we're not going to look at all of it. You can go to your life group today and, and look deeper in this passage. But I, I want to just walk us through some of these passages. How about verse 9? How can a young person stay on the path of purity? Guys, how, how do you stay on the right path? By living according to your word. I love verse 19. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. You got a sin issue right now in your life? One of the most practical things that you can do is to, to hide God's word within you so that you can fight it. That's how Jesus fought it. Then look at verses 15 and 16. I meditate, the psalmist says, on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees and I will not neglect your word. Listen to the way he thinks about it. How about verse 20? My soul, wow, what a word, is consumed with longing for your laws. How often? At all times. 
How about verse 24? Your statutes are my delight. They are my counselors. You got some issues in your life and you need a good counselor? Let me refer you to one of the best. The very word of God will help you through that. How about verse 28? My soul is weary with sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. You come in this assembly today and your heart is broken and you're full of sorrow and things are not the way you expected them or you lost someone you loved. There's no greater comfort found anywhere else but Scripture. Verse 35, direct me in the path of your commands, for there I find delight. Verses 44 and 45, I will always obey your law forever and ever. I will walk about in freedom, for I have sought out your precepts. Now that that sounds counterintuitive to us. We think to be under the laws of God is to restrain us. This man knows if you really walk within the boundaries of God's Word, you'll experience more freedom than you ever had in your life. How about this? Verses 133 and 134. How many times have we used a three-digit verses, all right? Direct my footsteps according to your Word. Let no sin rule over me. Redeem me from human oppression that I may obey your precepts. Verse 160. All your words are true. All your righteous laws are eternal. Verses 174 and 175. I long for your salvation, Lord, and your law gives me delight. Let me live that I may praise you, and may your laws sustain me. Wow. This man loved the Word of God. He's not like Americans. 11% of Americans read the Bible every day. 13%, just 13% of evangelical Christians read the Bible every day. 23% of Christians never read their Bible. This man has got a hunger for God's Word, and it should, it should encourage us. Now, now let, me, let me point this out before we pass this. This man is so delighted and fired up about reading. Did you hear the words? The precepts, commands, statutes, rules of God. I mean, if this guy can be that fired up about reading God's commands and rules, how about those of us who live under the new covenant who actually have the good news of Jesus in the Gospels? If he can get so excited about reading what we think is sort of the tough part of the Bible, what would happen to us if we really dove into the part of the Bible that introduces us more vividly than ever to the grace of God? So let's be inspired by that. And then now let's, let's get practical. Because here's, here's one of the problems, I think. I think you've been in many church services where the preacher has told you you need to read the Bible. In many Sunday school classes, small groups. And that's good. And that's right, because you do. But one of the problems is I don't think we've been practical about how you do it. And so people dive into it, and they don't get anything out of it, and so they quit. So let me help you with this. First thing is the place. You need to find a consistent place and time to read your Bible. As one of my friends says, I meet God at my breakfast table every morning. It, it, it's like a meeting on your calendar. Now, some of you are morning persons, and that some of you are evening people. Some of your lunches can be the best time. But you have that consistent place, because when you walk in that place, and you're sitting there, your mind quickly goes, this is where I encounter God through his word. So have a consistent place and time. And then have a plan, all right? 
I think one of the great mistakes that we have is that we fire people up about reading their Bible and they have no clue where to start. And so, so many of us use just the, the open Bible method, wherever it opens, you know. But now all who light fires and provide yourselves with flaming torches, go walk in the light of your fires and the torches you have set ablaze. You feel changed by that? I mean, you just just open it up and go. I mean, guys, I know that sounds really spiritual, but it really doesn't work. Okay, so 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 don't just use the open Bible method. I might get in trouble with some people here. There's another method I think has really been a disaster for most of us, and that's the read your Bible through in a year method. Okay, anybody ever tried that one and failed? Raise your hand. Come on, let's have some honesty here. Okay? You know, you started in Genesis, you loved Exodus, you tripped up in Leviticus, and you died in Numbers. <laughs> Have you been there? So, so, so let me say, you need a plan. You need a plan of somewhere you can start that, that's going to really help you. If you're struggling with just living the Christian life out practically, go to the book of James. If you're struggling with your happiness and joy, go to the book of Philippians. And always, this is good advice. If you're looking for somewhere to read in the Bible, go to one of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, and you will be blessed. So have a plan of how you're going to approach this. Now, in your bulletin, we have given you a list of, of different plans. Actually, I, I brainstormed with, with all of your ministers the other day about what were some plans they had used in reflecting on Scripture that had blessed them. So let, let's, play, let's play a game for a moment. Let me, I'm going to tell you a plan, and I want you to guess with me which minister you think this was. Okay, go to number four. Reading Scripture together. Have a group of people to read the same passage. Example, everyone read a chapter of Psalms and Proverbs every day. And then communicate through group me, you know it's not me, group me text messages about what you are learning. Who would that come from? The college students say, Nathan, you're right, all right? That is pure Nathan. And that's a great way of doing it. I mean, look over in the back sheet, number 11. I love this one. Sing to the Lord. Choose five, five or six verses and read it through several times. Begin putting music to the words with whatever tune comes to your mind. Write the words in a journal and record your song on your phone or other recording device. Who does that sound like? No, it's me. (laughs) No, it's not me. That would be an absolute disaster. Mine is number one. Of course it's number one. I (laughs) I get to make the list, all right? Number one, read this, this. Someone told me this when I was a college student. Changed my, my, changed my habits. Read three times. And here, here's the advice. Pick a short block of Scripture, 10 or 15 verses. One of the big mistakes so many of us make is we try to be marathon readers and we read five chapters and we remember nothing. I mean, there is a place for that, but not consistently. Pick a, a short block of Scripture. Read it through three times. By the time you get to the third time, you're asking yourself, what is God saying to me? You read it personally. And when you read it that third time, you underline the words that God has said. You've read it three times. It's beginning to sink in. You underline what you think applies to you. And then you pray through the words you have just underlined. So I've given you 11 examples. Some of them there are for your family of a plan. You've got to have a plan. Don't do it without a plan. The next point is presence. Ask God to meet you. This is the time, like we mentioned last, you keep company with God. Now, this is where you could get tripped up. The Pharisees in Jesus' day knew more Bible than anybody else. And Jesus says, you read the Scripture thinking that you have found eternal life. 
Sounds good to me. He says, that's not good. He says, but you have missed me. In other words, they had read the scriptures for the do's and don'ts, but they had not read the scriptures to encounter God. And many of us have been tripped up that way. We think Bible study is about information. It's not about information. It's about transformation. It's about you meeting Jesus and being transformed by him. So ask God. The first thing I try to do is just say, God, before I I run into this and, and, and try to check it off, God, would you just meet me in this place? And then take the passage and read it. Again, the goal is not volume. The goal is not to get through the scriptures. So you can say, I read the Bible one year. The goal is for the scripture to get through to you. And then so you read it with penitence. You have a repentant spirit that says, God, as I read this, would you tell me where I'm strong and where I'm weak? You tell me what I need to repent of? You see, guys, the Bible will do a better job of reading you than you do of reading the Bible. It'll tell you where you're strong and where you're weak. So read with that spirit, and then finally take with you a phrase. And, you know, when, when you get through, just, just pick a verse or a passage, or it might be just a phrase. Yesterday, I took with me all day long a two-word phrase. I, I'm reading where Moses is giving his farewell address to the people of Israel before they enter the Promised Land. And Moses goes through a long litany of their history, of times they've done well, of times they've done terrible. And he says, here's what I want you to do if you're really going to be different. I want you to hear the two words. I want you to remember well. Oh, I love that. Never, never paid attention to that before. Remember well. Remember well where you blew it. Remember well where God blessed you. Remember well the promises of God. Remember well the guidance of God. And so... What I try to do then is just just walk that with me all day long. So find that phrase and use it. So I hope you'll take those practical points and that you will use those this week. But I want to close out with what I told you at the beginning. I want to give you a solution to those problems we talked about, okay? The number one, we've become really numb and we've lost feeling because so often we've read the Bible and not gotten anything out of it. We don't remember it at all. And we become numb even to prayer because we're just praying the same old prayer every day and it just gets old and boring. Now, you remember at the beginning of this message, I gave you two blocks, Bible reading and prayer. I want to add a third box that I think would be life-changing that I've not paid much attention to in my life. The third box in between Bible reading and prayer is meditation. I think meditation is the key to changing both of those things. You say, okay, buddy, I'm not real familiar with meditation. What is meditation? Meditation is deep thought, reflection on the truth and realities of Scripture. I I don't just check off my box. I think about it deeply. I think about what it means to my life. I think about the promise I need to claim, the sin I need to repent of, the the good deed I need to do. I, I reflect on it and let it come into my heart. Now, here's something that sort of surprises me. The Bible says very little about Bible reading and even very little about Bible study. It says a hundred times more about Bible meditation. So what's he saying? How does this change things? 
You see, guys, when I've read Scripture and then I meditate on it, I think about it, I get that phrase or that verse, and I look at it over and over again for a few moments, then I don't forget it that afternoon. I pay close enough attention that God has spoken to me. That answers number one. And then number two, it answers my problem with praying the same prayers. Because once I've meditated long enough and I've listened to God speak to me, I'm not the rude person on the phone who doesn't talk about what he talked to me about. Guys, that's rude. When you read your Bible and you don't have this, this middle stage and you read your Bible and God says all this to you, and then you go and you pray about your thing, you've been rude to God. So what meditation does is meditation is that spot where I think about this long enough that that now I I talk to God about it. Now, Christian meditation is different than Eastern meditation, even though I'm sure there's strengths to Eastern meditation. Eastern meditation is where you, you seek to empty your mind. Christian meditation is where you seek to fill your mind. So you become so full of the Word of God that you don't forget it, so full of the Word of God that you want to talk to God about it. Let me, let me illustrate this the best way I, I know how. Just be patient with me for a second. We're going um, to do this. Because so often we, we read the Word of God like I'm about to show you. And so we know we ought to do it, and we fly through it, and we do it quickly, and we don't really get much out of it. It's like taking some tea bags. And it's like me going, okay, let me, let, me, let me quickly get this in and check this off the box. And so, you know, I, I read my Bible uh, quickly. I don't meditate. I don't think about it. I just, I just want to get it in. So I, so I get it in, and then I quickly take it out. Well, it's barely colored the water. Not much. It's not had a chance to seep deep in, a, deep in me and change me. It's not had a chance to, to change my prayer life. And that's, that's, my friend, where meditation comes into your life. When I begin to meditate and I begin to, to go back and forth into God's Word, thinking about it, praying about it, focusing on what God is saying to me, focusing on the promises I want to claim, the sin I want to avoid, the joy I want to find, then it begins to color my life. It begins to change me, and it begins to, to change my prayer life. And so, my friends, that's what meditation's all about. It, it's, if we could use the analogy, it's that you don't run away from it. You, you let it steep. You say, well, buddy, okay, that's nice. But frankly, in my schedule right now, I've only got 10 minutes to read my Bible. Okay, I understand that. I, I would say, guys, if you're not reading your Bible right now, 10 minutes is a great place to start. But if all you've got is 10 minutes to read your Bible, here's what I would tell you to do. Split it in half. Spend five minutes reading the Bible and five minutes meditating on God's Word. And you'll walk away not saying, you know what? It didn't change me. Can't remember it. No, it will change your life. So you've got a lot to take with you today. We've got some things we want to practice right now. We're about to take communion and as a part of communion today, I want you to spend some time reflecting on Scripture. There's, there's a list of, of passages here and also in your bulletin that I have found meaningful. For many of us in this tr- religious tradition that take communion every week, you have to find different things to do. And one of the best things for you to encounter God is for you to meditate on Scripture. And so 
what we're going to do today after I pray is you're going to go to the tables and we'll have a song during that, but then we're going to have a period of just silent meditation. And if you don't have your Bible with you or phone out, then we will show part of Isaiah 53 up here on the screen. And so we want this to be a wonderful time of you communing with God through his word and through meditation. Don't try to do too much. Just meditate on what God has said. Now, let me mention this before we do this. Next Sunday is going to be so special because we are going to focus on the corporate spiritual discipline of communion. And we have a professor, a doctor, John Mark Hicks from Lipscomb University. If any of you know him, he's an amazing teacher. He's going to be with us through both worship services. And some of you guys want to get up earlier because he's going to be here in Sunday school with us. And he's going to, he's going to take us deeper in communion. And our service will actually be very experiential as we take communion together. Because this needs to be one of those times where we meet God. And so today I'm challenging you to meet God in His Word, meditate, and pray. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much for what we're about to do. There is nothing that should change our lives more than what your word says about what Jesus has done for us. We, we can't get over that your son would come, live among us, encounter everything we encounter, and then take our place on the cross and resurrect to give us life. God, may you meet us here as we meditate on that truth. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. As you have meditated on what Jesus has done for you, the obvious question at this point is, what am I doing? The obvious question of this message today could be put rather simply, are you spiritually numb? If you come to a point where things like the cross that used to touch you no longer touch you, where communion used to be an incredible experience, now it's just another box you check, where the basic spiritual disciplines that you can't get past of Bible reading and reflection and and prayer, the truth is you're numb to it. And and, and what that says is we've become numb to encounters with God. Now today we're about to to sing a song, and if, if, if you feel that numbness spiritually, and you think it would do you some good for the church to pray for you before we leave, for you to put a marker down, for you maybe even to ask some people to hold you accountable, then, then that's what we're going to do. And, but I want to give a specific challenge today. We have a church that's so open and honest, and yet so much of it comes from these young people and youth and, and college students, and I love that. But the challenge today, I think, is more towards some of us that are older, Because for so many of them, it's still so fresh and new. Maybe they've not got to that point of numbness. Maybe they have, but for so many of us who've been walking in this a long time. And guys, I'm not trying to be pushy here, but if if you're not hungering for God's Word and desiring to pray to Him, you've become spiritually numb. And maybe today's the day for some of us a little older to go, you know what? Satan's come at us. Maybe with these guys, it's more direct and old-fashioned temptation. And maybe with us, it's just spiritual numbness. 
And today, if you think it'd bless you for us to pray for you, come meet us on this front row while we stand together and sing.